for Meatloaf episode 65, We All Matter. Hello, hello. It is a gorgeous day today. Absolutely gorgeous. Really hot here in Utah, but beautiful nonetheless. So last year at this time, we were bombarded, if you remember, with the Black Lives Matter movement. I was a bit perplexed by this crusade, I'll be honest. Of course, Black Lives Matter. So do white lives and brown lives and poor and rich ones and Christian and atheist lives. Now, I don't in any way mean to minimize the struggles blacks have had throughout history. I see that all lives matter. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for all of us, all mankind, all people, every single one of us worth the sacrifice. Jesus said, love everyone, treat them kindly too. When your heart is filled with love, others will love you. Bottom. (laughs) You'll recognize that from the children's songbook, page 61. We all know the first and great commandment, right? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might, found in Matthew 22. Then verse 39 of the same chapter reads, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Literally, everyone on earth could be considered my neighbor. We are, after all, sharing the same planet, right? So figuratively, loving every neighbor on earth is going to require a lot of unconditional love. And I'm probably going to have to work on opening my mind, heart, and arms to allow every person I interact with now or in my future, in person and through technology, to feel validated, heard, seen, and loved. That will also necessitate the letting go of any biases, prejudices, judgments, and preconceived notions. And that's hard to do when I'm dealing with a divine spirit that lives inside a carnal man. Oh, oh, that carnal man that so many times gets in the way of all my good intentions. (laughs) Sometimes, unfortunately, I find myself errantly believing that I might be loved a little bit more than the guy who doesn't even believe in God. After all, I consider myself one of his disciples, and I try really hard to follow my Savior. But shame on me for my pride and for thinking that my attempts at righteous living trump the fact that the guy who doesn't believe was still created in God's image, even if he doesn't know it or even care. Christ did suffer, bleed, and die for my unbelieving brother as much as he did for me. The reality is that I don't know the path that man has walked and what has shaped his beliefs. I am not called to judge him. I am, however, called to love him and make him feel like he matters just as much as I do. Our Father in Heaven doesn't expect us to be perfect in this lifetime. We are still on the potter's wheel, so to speak. So shouldn't we be giving others that same right? Remembering these things opens the way to an increase in unconditional love, no matter the condition, belief, or choices of another. It leads me to more easily offer a smile or a wave, or to reach out with genuine acknowledgement, even if it's only in passing. Making all people feel like they matter is a pretty tall order, isn't it? Many years ago, I was set apart for a calling, and in that calling, among many other wonderful blessings, I will never forget the words said on my behalf that day, that I would be blessed with the ability to seek out and find the one. Throughout the course of my service, I found myself seeing the young girl that sat alone in the corner, unable to make eye contact, wondering, is that her? I found her. Now what can I do? Or what should I do? 
Maybe it was the strong, confident girl that led the pack but wasn't always kind to the underdog. Was it her behind that facade? What could I do to help her feel like she really, truly mattered, not only to me, but to her father in heaven? Or even the leader that cried under her heavy load of family responsibilities and her calling and the insecurity and doubt she felt in doing any of it well. What could I do for her? I can honestly say, sometimes I knew exactly what to do. Sometimes I didn't have a clue. And sometimes, like many other times in my life, I missed the cues altogether. (laughs) Only now can I see clearly that even though I didn't feel like I did enough then, or that I get it even right now for that matter, my heart was in the right place. And because of the blessing given to me, I got the first part right. I was sometimes able to find and see the one. As always, God shows us the way, doesn't he? We are given the opportunity to partake and are administered the sacrament one by one as a reminder that he died for me personally. It's not done as an entire congregation in our church meetings, even though that may be more efficient and take less time. It is handed to each one of us individually. Our temple and family history work is the same. It is done for one single person at a time. One of the most powerful lessons I've ever learned about our temple work was shared while we served in the Young Single Adult Ward, and the Stake Relief Society president spoke to us. She asked if we'd ever considered what we'd do when we take a name to the temple to do proxy work for that person who either didn't have the opportunity or decided not to make those sacred covenants with God while they were alive. She suggested that we need to remember that in all reality, we don't just take a name on a piece of paper. We are taking a person, one person at a time, that gets their individual work done. She said she even sometimes tries to intentionally and emotionally connect with that person whose name she has, and even found herself saying while she prayed, please let so-and-so know that I'm going to do her work on Monday at four o'clock, and I'm doing everything in my power to prepare for that day, and I hope she does the same. You guys, isn't that the most powerful thought? Oh, I love that thought so much, and I've never forgotten it. It has changed the way I take my ancestors' names to the temple. A few weeks ago, I was listening to one of my favorite Come Follow Me podcasts, Don't Miss This, with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. And Emily pointed out that after Christ's resurrection, he didn't preach to the masses as he did during his earthly ministry. After he rose from death, for the most part, he visited only a few people at a time. He taught that the one mattered. Emily said, quote, He came back to Thomas and to the two people on the road to Emmaus. He visited Mary Magdalene. When he could have had millions in his audience, these examples illustrate that sometimes the greatest work is done with one, end quote. So how do we help God with his work? How do we seek after the one? And then what do we do when we find them? In order to find those who need to believe they matter, I believe it's as simple as having eyes to see and ears to hear. It's also helpful to pray for our Father's help in finding those who may need us. When we do find them, what can we do to help them realize just how much they matter? Do you think it matters not so much exactly what we do as simply doing something? I kind of hope so, because I'm not always great at guessing what people need. I'm working on that. Remember from my episode two weeks ago? In Acts 10.38, we are taught that Jesus went about doing good. And if we're trying to be like him, like the children's hymn encourages, then we also need to go about doing good. Service looks differently to everyone. 
And individual needs vary from person to person, don't they? But if we remember Sister Marjorie Pay Hinckley's advice to, quote, be kind, everyone is fighting a battle, end quote, we'll always be on the right track. A thought I saw on Pinterest the other day reminded me of one of the most inspired leaders I've ever had the opportunity to work with. He and his beautiful sweetheart have experienced their share of challenges and heartache, including the death of their son. But he was always found on the roof of a widow, for example, when he himself should have saved that task for someone much younger. But he was always, always ministering to the one, the one whose hands hung down and who had feeble knees. His wife was always quietly loving and encouraging, and the two of them together always had a warm batch of muffins for those they felt prompted to reach out and touch, always reminding them that they mattered. The Pinterest thought I'm talking about was by Stephanie Sparkles. What a fun name. She said, quote, I love when people that have been through hell walk out of the flames carrying buckets of water for those still consumed by the fire, end quote. I want to be that person. I want to be that person that reminds people they matter. And I've had some pretty amazing examples of this beautiful ability. Everyone we know is struggling in one way or another, right? Everyone is bearing a cross of some kind. There will never be a shortage of those we can lift, encourage, or support. And because everyone matters, we need to up our game a little bit, don't you think? Oh, I know I certainly do. President Thomas S. Monson said in a 2012 General Conference address, quote, Perhaps when we face our Maker, we will not be asked how many positions did you hold, but rather, how many people did you help? End quote. Remember, a kindness is never, ever wasted. I want each of you to know that you matter to me. To my family that may be listening, you matter more than you will ever know. Maybe until you have an increased awareness on the other side of the veil. To each of you that share your precious time with me each week, you matter individually and collectively. Even those of you that I don't have the pleasure of knowing personally, I want you to know that I appreciate you being here. I feel like we're all on a team of sorts, just trying to muddle through, doing our best and striving to keep the important things important. Thank you so much for sharing this journey with me. I also happen to know that you matter to our Father in Heaven. Quote, God sees you, not only as a mortal being on a small planet who lives for a brief season, He sees you as His child. He sees you as the being you are capable and designed to become. He wants you to know that you matter to Him. End quote. That is from one of my most favorite talks from Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf, You Matter to Him, Ensign, November 2011. So let's work on finding those one in thousands who need to be reminded that they matter and remember and believe that truth ourselves this week. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.